0: Lord, we come before You again with our hearts, of, with a continual heart of worship, Lord. Lord, this message is important. This message about the resurrection, let it be heard, Lord. Let it be understood. Lord, let us not be distracted by the things of this world, by the things that are are meant to keep us from really understanding you. But let us just right now concentrate on who you are and what you did on that Easter Sunday over 2,000 years ago. Or speak to us this morning and show us new things about you so that you may just fall deeper and deeper in love with you. Use me, Lord, this morning to speak your truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, you know, I uh, I know that... A lot of people would say, well, why are you giving an Easter message on June 4th, 2017? We have to keep these things in mind all the time. We can't forget. The, the, this message about the resurrection can't just be limited to just Easter alone. We, it, just as much as we talk about the cross and the death of Christ, we have to talk about the resurrection. It's just as important. It's just as vital. If that hadn't happened, you know, there wouldn't be any hope. You know, we wouldn't be here, or at least probably I wouldn't be here, you know, but it did. And so I I definitely think that this this is a message that's, you know, especially for you. You know, God has a divine plan. God has a a purpose for you all to be here, and this is the message I want to definitely share with you. So, again, we're going to be in Mark chapter 16. Um, I'm going to break this down. So I'm going to read and then I'm going to stop and then just share what the Lord has put in my heart to, to share with you all. So Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. I've never met a person who's been at a funeral or a memorial service of someone they loved. I've never heard him ever say it was a fun experience. However, what I have noticed is the difference between going to a memorial or a funeral service of a believer and a non-believer. The biggest difference being is that the, in the believer service there's a genuine hope. There's a genuine hope of one day seeing that loved one, one again, once again. Now people have this hope because they believe in the promises found in God's word. Sadly, this wasn't the case on this Sunday morning with these women going up to see him at the tomb. After the tragic death of Jesus, his followers had forgotten his promises. His promises... um, that one day that he was going to rise after three days, after his death. They had forgotten about that, about that. And now, here they are, walking towards the tomb, completely hopeless. Hopelessness consumed them. But let's look at the text more carefully so I can show you what I mean. Now, I want to review just a little bit about what's going on, what happened here prior to this moment. When Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body, Mark chapter 15, verse 42 tells us that it was on a Friday evening. Now, because the Jewish Sabbath was to begin on sundown that evening, we read, we read last week that he did what he could to give Jesus a proper burial. Unfortunately, he didn't have time to anoint Jesus' body with the customary oil, oils and spices. This practice was traditionally done to preserve the body, I'm sorry, not to preserve the body, but to show the respect and devotion to the departed loved one. Once the Sabbath began at sundown on Friday, it didn't end until sundown on Saturday. So because it was too dark to do anything, people usually waited until the first sunlight on Sunday to resume resume uncompleted tasks. So this is why we see the women now coming on a Sunday morning to anoint Jesus' body. Now this is the point where Mark picks up the story in chapter 16. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Siloam were on their way to complete what Joseph couldn't before the sun rose that Sunday morning. Mark then points out a topic of concern these women were asking each other, that isn't found in any of the other Gospels. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? Now, this was a legitimate concern since they had seen for themselves this massive stone rolled against the tomb. These women understood that this was a problem that was bigger than themselves bigger it was more than they could handle and it also implies that the last thing they expected to see was an empty tomb much less a resurrected Jesus Jesus Christ now at that particular moment their only concern was how they were going to remove the obstacle that stood in the way between them and Jesus they couldn't ask any of the male disciples because why they were all hiding they were all, they, they, remember when Jesus was arrested, they all fled, they all hid, they all abandoned him. They're all hiding. So they, they, they couldn't go to any of the male disciples to ask them for help. And for sure, none of the Roman soldiers was going to lift a finger to help them. So you have these women with this massive, large stone, and they're wondering to themselves, how are we going to move it? Like, who are we going to ask to move it? Nonetheless, these worries never stopped them or caused them to turn around and ask for help. They continued on completely oblivious to what would be awaiting them. It wasn't until they got to that location of the tomb that they noticed things were out of the ordinary. There was something odd. Somehow that massive stone they were worried about had now been rolled away. It, was, it wasn't where it was supposed to be. Someone had moved it. Now, before I move on to the rest of the reading, I wanna sh- take a minute to share a few things. Honestly, I'm, I'm glad. I'm really glad that Mark included this part of the story in his account. I'm glad because we're able to see that these women were regular people just like you and me, they may have experienced Jesus differently. They may have laughed with him and ate with him and and touched him and maybe hugged him and they they may have had those, those kinds of experiences. But again, we they uh, they had the same human nature as you and I do. Here, we're able to see how a tragic event led to the feelings of defeat. Which then led them to feelings of hopelessness, all because of a tragic, uh, a very tragic event. Their savior, their messiah, person they trusted, was brutally tortured and was killed on the cross. as they remained in that state of hopelessness, these women had forgotten the words and promises of a man who always kept his promise, who kept every promise, and he never disappointed them. He always came through. He always said what he was going to do. He never disappointed. So rather than arriving at the tomb with a hopeful expectation Of a resurrected Jesus, their minds were just fixated on solving a problem that was bigger than themselves. That's all they kept, that's all they were thinking about. How are we gonna remove this stone? There are so many Christians today that find themselves in a similar place. They've had that close intimacy, they've had that relationship with Jesus Christ. They felt his presence and experienced his blessings. They've read, listened, and believed in the promises he's made through his word. And maybe they've seen some of those promises fulfilled. But then, when an unexpected tragedy hits close to home, doubt, defeat, and hopelessness begins to creep into the heart and mind. Quickly and without notice, those feelings begin to take permanent residence, and the truth and promises of God are slowly forgotten about, and they're pushed out. And before long, they find themselves consumed with trying to find a solution to a problem that's bigger than themselves sadly for many this is a cycle that just never seems to end now although i'm painting a picture with a broad brush some of you may may probably relate in one way or another if so you may be wondering how do i that's me how do i keep that from happening what do I need to do to prevent that from happening? And, or you may be saying, I, 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 how do I end that maddening cycle? Well, let me just give you a few tools you can use that, that will be helpful for you. Okay, when tragedy hits, number one, pray. When a crisis or tragedy occurs, immediately... Go to the Lord in prayer. Or as soon as you're able to, you know, you don't want to be driving a car and just close your eyes and, you know, you, you just as soon as you can. I mean, if, if you have to, pull over the side of the road, where, just wherever you're at. Just go to the Lord in prayer. King David wrote in Psalm 34, 17, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. See, the thing is, He already knows. But like a tender father, He wants to hear from you personally. He wants to give you The comfort you need it's as if one of my kids I found out that one of my kids or you know my wonderful nephew just had done something or something's going on in his life and I found out about it and I just want him to come and just share his share their thoughts their heart to me so that I can just listen and give them the comfort they need well this is what the Lord is this is what the Lord does he wants, he knows what's going on, but he just wants to hear from you personally. So go to him. Go to him in prayer. The next one, trust in God's sovereignty. What this means is, and if you've never heard that word before, sovereignty, Sovereignty. I'm saying that wrong, sovereign, sovereignty. I said it right the first time, but... <laughs> um, what this all this means is this trust in the fact that God is in control. God is in charge. He's, he's sovereign. In Isaiah 45, 7, God says, I form the light and create darkness. I make sus- success and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all, all these things. God has a reason and a purpose for everything. For everything that occurs in your life that you have no control over. You may not understand it at the time, but trusting Him is believing you have a good Father who knows what He's doing and why He's doing it. You're His child. He's in control. He knows what's going on with you. And whatever it is, man, he wants you to come out of that completely glorifying him, seeing that God is real, God has a, you know, seeing, understanding more how much he loves you. And trusting God's sovereignty. Sovereignty. (laughs) I didn't think I was going to have a problem with that word. Um, The next one. Remember the promises. When you're experiencing a tragic event, when you're experiencing something that completely crushes you, keep in the forefront of your mind the general and specific promises God has made to you. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man who lies, Or a son of man who changes his mind? Does he speak and not act? Or promise and not fulfilled? God has made many promises. He's made general promises, such as he will come back. And maybe for you specifically, he's made some promises. Hold on to those promises. Don't give up. Remember them. Keep them in the forefront of your mind. Again, one of God's promises was to never leave you nor forsake you. So in those times when you begin to feel hopeless, it's important that you remember the promises of God. Next one, hold on to your faith when you're in the midst of suffering Keep a tight grip on your faith. Here's what Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 3, verses 3 and 5 says, Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Let them, let them, around, let them around your neck. Write them in the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You must hold tightly to your faith. You have to have that tight grip. You see, the enemy has a way of using difficult circumstances to strip us away from that faith that we have in God. All he wants you to do is just loosen your grip just a little bit And he's just just like a a heavy weight. He's just going to drag you down. He's going to bring you down. And what is he trying to do? He's just trying to take away that faith you have so that you'll have doubts and so that you'll continue in your hopelessness. He wants you to walk away from the Lord. Don't give the enemy an opportunity. Keep a tight grip on your faith. And lastly, seek fellowship. When tragedy strikes and the world seems to be crashing down around you, the last thing you want to do is isolate yourself. Don't do it. You don't want to isolate yourself from those you connect with spiritually. Seek that fellowship. Seek those people you can count on to to pray with you and to to encourage you, to tell you that, you know what, it's, it's I understand you, brother. I understand you, sister. Let me just. I'm holding you up in prayer. What can I do to encourage you? What can I do to serve you? Surround yourself with those kind of people. Keep in mind the words of Jesus in Matthew 18, 20. For where where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. God has put these people in your life to help you in those times of need. Let them uplift you, encourage you, and strengthen you with the spiritual gift God has given them. Let them minister to you. As you make your way to church on Sundays, rather than worrying about the barriers that are keeping you from Jesus, seek and ask God to remove them. Come to church, expecting God to just blow your mind away By doing something you just never expected. Now let's move on and see what they saw when they walked into that tomb. Starting in verse 5. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. They were amazed and alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. He is not here. See the place where they put him, but go and tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you." So they went out and started running out, started running from the tomb because Trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them, and they said nothing to anyone, since they were afraid. I read this little story I wanted to share with you. At the Battle of Inkerman in 1854, a soldier was just about to crawl out of his tent after he was struck down. When found, he was laying upon his face his open Bible before him. His hand glued fast to John 11 by his lifeblood which covered it. When his hand was lifted the letters of the printed page were clearly traced upon it and with the ever-living promise in and on his hand they laid him on a soldier's grave. The words were, the words were, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me Though he were dead, yet shall he live. In what appeared to be a hopeless situation, this soldier died having hope. Hope in a resurrection. Something similar happened in our story here. You see, the first thing these women noticed when they walked into the tomb was a young man dressed in a a long white robe. The other Gospels give us more of a description, but they all come to the same conclusion that what these women saw was an angel in human form. Now, realizing that this was an angel, Mark tells us that they were amazed and alarmed. Now according to Luke's account the angelic glory was so overwhelming that it caused the women to bow down in fear. You see they were scared. They were terrified. I mean wouldn't you be if you see if you saw supernatural beings standing or maybe sitting in your room on your bed? The fact that he was just sitting there ought to indicate that he was purposely there waiting to deliver a message you see he was just there sitting there if he was in a hurry he'd probably be standing by the entrance or but no he was just sitting there he knew they were coming and he just wanted to give them this message but before he could do that before he can deliver this message he needed to calm their fears so this angel first tells them don't be alarmed, or in other words, don't be, don't be afraid. This was important because in order for them to see, listen, and think clearly, the thick fog of fear had to be removed. Being in the military, they've told us, being in the military before, there's this thing that's known as the fog of war. And what that means is that when you're in a stressful or terrified, crazy situation, it's hard to, to think clearly because just everything gets foggy. You get fixated or you just, you know, you, your mind, your eyes just, you, you get zoned out. And you start, you know, you have to be careful in that fog of war because you could, be, you could make a tragic mistake. You can make a fatal mistake, not just to yourself, but to the rest of the, you know, troops that are next to you. And so this is what he's trying to do, he's trying to calm them, so they can think clearly. I, I, I just, it, it occurred to me that, you know, with my kids, I've, I've told them since they were really young, that in a really crazy situation, if something ever crazy happened in their schools, or happened wherever, in the, just in a public place, that the first thing they have to do is remain calm, not to panic. Because when you're calm, you can think clearly, you know, how to get out and look for the exits and, you know. So that's what this angel is trying to do. It's just keep them calm to, so they can think clearly. You have to keep these words in mind whenever you're in a situation that absolutely terrifies you. Listen, to get, listen again to what the angel says next. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene Who was crucified he has been resurrected he's not here see the place where they put him he confirms to them who they were looking for and described what happened the angel then tells them what happened and what the current situation is and then has them verify it by telling them to look around the tomb for themselves this angel wanted them to be convinced that what he was saying was true by allowing them to confirm it with their own eyes. Now he ends his conversation or he ends with giving, some, giving them some important instructions they were to deliver to Jesus' disciples and especially Peter. These instructions in verse seven, if you really read them carefully, was an invitation by Jesus to his disciples to meet and be with him in Galilee. This was a special invitation, invitation meant to show them his love, grace, and mercy. You see, Jesus didn't want them to continue living in their guilt, in that guilt of denying And abandoning him in that garden and 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 even with Peter just denying him three times he didn't want them to be living in that guilt he's saying come meet me there and let me show you let me fellowship with you come he was inviting them Now, by also specifically mentioning Peter, this angel was making it clear that God hadn't rejected Peter because of a denial of Christ. Jesus was distinguishing Peter because he had a special hope, he he had special hope, special forgiveness, and a special restoration for the one who denied him the most. finally, In verse eight, Mark informs us that after the angel had told them these things, these women fled the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Trembling with a mixture of emotions and their minds completely blown away, these women remained silent until they reached Peter and the others. We know this because later in verse 11, and we also see this in the other gospels, they tell us that imme- they immediately reported what they saw to the other disciples. Now, it's important to mention that these first reports of the resurrection came from women. This is important. This is an important detail because in that time, in that time that, of Jesus, Jews ranked the the credibility the credibility of the testimony of women as equal to that of slaves and criminals in courts of law. Women had no equality. Now because of this it's amazing that the New Testament record of the resurrection of the resurrection of Christ depends so much on the testimony of women. You see it If someone wanted to falsify the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus, the last thing he would have done was record the report of women, of any woman. But Mark, you see, isn't interested in the legalities. He's only interested in recording the truth and accurately representing exactly what happened. With this in mind, he reports the testimony of the, of the women down to the detail, even to the detail where the angels were sitting. That's why this is so important. Now, the core message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the cross and the resurrection. If either of them had never happened, Christianity would be meaningless regarding the resurrection pastor and author Tim Keller puts it like this if Jesus rose from the dead from the if Jesus rose from the dead then you have to accept all that he said if he didn't rise from the dead then why worry about any of what he said the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teachings but whether or not he rose from the dead in fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. Now, if you've never known or understood why the resurrection matters, let me give you a few reasons why it means so much. The resurrection means that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Romans 1.4 tells us that Jesus Christ has been declared to be the powerful Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness. Next. The resurrection means that we we can be confident that you and I will also be resurrected. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14, Paul wrote, Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Next. The resurrection means that there's a clear distinction between these earthly temporal bodies and, eter- and the eternal resurrected bodies. Speaking about the resurrection of of the dead, Paul explains the differences like this. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The resurrection means that the ministry of Jesus continues to this day. Again, going back to Scripture, this is what Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore He is always able to save those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to intercede for them. He's still working. He's 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 still ministering to us. He's up there in heaven interceding for us. He's alive. He's still there. That's what his resurrection means. And lastly, the resurrection means that the God Christians worship is uniquely distinct from the other gods of this world. You see, none of the major religions of the world today can make the claim that their prophet or God died for the sins of the world and was raised from the dead. Absolutely none of them. The God we serve was raised from the dead. He lives. He's alive. Jesus Christ is alive. Author Lee Strobel sums up what the the resurrection means like this. The resurrection is is the supreme vindication of Jesus' divine identity and his inspired teaching. It's the proof of his triumph over sin and death. It's the foreshadowing of the resurrection of his followers. It's the basis of Christian hope. It's the miracle of miracles. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, the chains of death couldn't restrain Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God raised him, death was defeated, and he walked out of that tomb in victory. That Easter Sunday, Jesus paved the way for you and me to have eternal life. If you're sitting here and you're a believer, be strengthened and encouraging with the words found in Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit that lives in you. Do you you get that? The same power that raised Jesus is currently living in you and will raise you up in the same way. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you or rob you from that truth. Christian believer, Johnny Cash was right when he sang, "They ain't no grave going to hold my body down. When I hear the trumpet sound, I'm going to raise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Now there may be some of you who are sitting here or watching and listening online who have never heard or maybe forgotten the promises of Jesus. Like the women in our story, tragedy has hit. There's, you're facing a crisis. Your hopes have been crushed. The world is crashing down around you and your only concern is the massive problem that lies ahead. This morning God wants you to come to the tomb to show you something amazing and give you hope again. He wants you to see that stone rolled away that that the stone that stood in the way between you and Jesus has been rolled away so that you can come in. See that roll that stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out cuz he can and we, we know through the, the other Gospels that He can walk through walls. That stone was rolled away so that you can walk in, so that you can walk in and see the reality of the resurrection. He wants you to see for yourself that Jesus is not dead, He's alive. And because He lives, you can trust that He will keep His promises. You see, the death of Jesus on the cross was the payment of your sins. But the resurrection was the receipt, showing that the payment was perfect in the sight of God the Father. Jesus died and rose and is now inviting you to meet with him. My hope is that you will accept that invitation. Accept that invitation that he's offering to you. Now, in, in a few short minutes, we're going to be partaking in communion together. We do this communion. We, we do this in remembrance of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross and the hope of one day breaking bread with him in his coming, in his coming kingdom. Therefore, it's intended to be celebrated among those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, after hearing this message, and you realize and you understand and what the resurrection is and what it means, and you want to have that hope, it's, it's there again, it's being offered to you if you've come to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead to give you eternal life, I will lead you in a prayer to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, whether you're watching or listening or online, wherever you're at, if this is you, we're just in the quietness of your heart, just pray this in your heart Lord I'm a sinner forgive me of my sins I believe Jesus died in the cross for me and for all my sins I believe he is God I believe he was there on the cross to rescue me and now I lay my sins before Him. Lord, I want to turn away from my sins. Help me to turn away from my sins. Fill me with your Spirit so that I may walk with you all the days of my life. Lord, I accept your forgiveness. And just fill me with your love and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've prayed that, that's been a prayer of your heart. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Be assured of your. Be assured that you will be resurrected from the dead. You know. Again, I welcome you, and I hope one day to see you in heaven, and so you can introduce yourself and tell me who you are. I mean, but now that you know, you've prayed that you you can partake in communion. The Word of God tells us on the night He was betrayed the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please take. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray once more. Lord, we thank you that you raised your son from the dead. Lord, you continue to amaze us, and you continue to just blow our minds away about how good and how holy and how wonderful you are, and that you keep your promises, that you are a faithful God. Lord, forgive us for forgetting, for sometimes forgetting those promises. For sometimes making the problems in our life bigger than what they are, Lord. Making for those making those problems bigger than you. Lord, give us the strength to just turn away from those issues and problems we have. so that we can just give us the strength to just turn to you, Lord. Let us see that you have the power to roll these stones away. Help us to understand the reality of the resurrection and what it means. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you for giving us eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thank you for being our God. We glorify you. We magnify you. We praise you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.